Welcome, everyone. You are listening to and perhaps watching Not Sauce for Work. I'm your host, Ease Delores, and for the first time ever, Terry, I got the name of the show right. Uh, Terry Time joins me. How's it going, Terry? It, go, it goes great, but this is the fourth time you said it on our third episode, and you finally did it because we recorded this piece before. Yeah, and, yeah we did uh, uh, But Eagle sucks at his job, so... It's, it's not that I suck. I blame the technology <laughs> for everything. Always. That's it's it, when all else fails, blame technology. That's what I do when it works. And look at me, I'm great. I mean, if you guys want to talk about who blames technology for for stuff, you don't blame they, technology. You don't give technology a chance. It's always like click one button, it doesn't work. Eagle, what do I do? That's you. Yeah, yeah. you're the guy Correct. who doesn't know what a right click is at the office, yeah. right? Like, oh, just right click it. You're like, what is that? Not right. It, it's not even that I don't. Like, I don't give it a chance, and I'm not even like, Eagle, what do I do? It's, I'm, it doesn't work. Eagle, fix it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's also, you're a lefty, too, so your right click throws you off even more. Exactly, because it's like, right click on my right hand. What is this nonsense? <laughs> How about you make better mice for the left hand? Yeah, be better. better. Mouse, more mouse. Terry, no, just imagine this. Left click with your left hand and see how weird that feels. Oh, wow. I know, right? <laughs> That's my whole life experience right there. <laughs> my whole life experience right there. Uh, boys, we've had, a, we've had a hell of a couple of weeks. We decided to do this whole, you know, expansion of Hot Sauce Sports, rebranding of our show amidst, you know, political insurrection. And, you know, a, a lot of our shows, the, the, the first couple of shows in, in the uh, sort of the, the rebrand and in this whole, like, uh, atmosphere – we're a little heavy-handed just because, hey, we, we react to the things that are happening around us. We did not plan for political insurrection because we're not idiots on QAnon. So there's that. Um, that said, like, it happened. We reacted to it. Yeah. Uh, we're looking forward to getting to the laughs and, and the jokes and stuff like that. And, and, and that's what today's show is going to be about. Um, we do have an interesting interview. It's going to be a break. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to have... Uh, uh, an interview with some serious subject matter. Uh, we're going to talk to Ryan Phillips, ex-pro hockey player. He's actually doing um, a podcast with, with Jimmy Thompson, former NHLer, but also Elvis Stoiko, Canadian legend. Legend. The legend, the, legend, the legend that follows him is that he beat up Eric Lindros, Elvis Stoiko, because he's like some sort of black belt in taekwondo or karate or something. So that would be well, interesting. Listen, man, he was a great enough athlete to get a bunch of dudes into – figure skating at a time where like it wasn't cool to not be masculine you know what i mean so, like yeah, yeah. the fact that he made guys like you and i terry care about figure skating just shows how badass this guy is two reasons um, why i care about figure skating one elvis stoico two the movie cutting edge you ever see cutting edge i didn't see it i saw i saw blades of glory though with Will Ferrell. Mm, that's a great movie too but cutting edge is like the ultimate hockey figure skating movie it's about a, a any a retired hockey player who well retired like shunned hockey player who's such a good skater that they invite him to the U.S. national um, uh, skating team, and he ends up falling in love with his skating partner. It's called Cutting Edge. It's a great movie. It's from, like, the early 90s. So motorcycles, montages, bars, Amazing. leather jackets, It's a Ray fucking Bans, romantic comedy. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Why would you watch that garbage? Cutting Edge is not a romantic comedy. There is some Cutting funny Edge, the 1992 American sports romantic comedy film directed <laughs> by Paul Michael Glazer. It is a very serious movie. <laughs> It's a great Sandra movie. Bullock in this. It sounds like she should be. No, no Moira Kelly actress, and uh, Doug DB Sweeney or something. Yeah, DB Sweeney. He look the guy who looks like John Cusack, but isn't John Cusack. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly no. what you're talking about. Yes. The um, 
I mean, it's fitting for today's show because uh, we have a hockey player that fell from grace in Ryan Phillips who fell in love with uh, the idea of doing a podcast with Elvis Stoico, Justin, uh, Justin, sorry, John, Johnny Thompson? Jimmy Thompson. You Jimmy said Thompson. it once. Sorry. You said it once, yeah. Yeah, I did, I did. Um, <laughs> so fell in love with those dudes, did a show together, came on our show, made some sweet love with us. Um, so the interview, again, it's really interesting. We don't always talk to people for a good time. Sometimes we talk to people because we're interested in their story, and we figure if we're interested, so might you be. We also have a ton of content coming out on the site. Um, David Bruno had two blogs out. One about, Rain, uh, about uh, Wayne Rooney and his time at Man U, uh, as well as the January transfers. Uh, John's earliest Monday morning. It's my favorite Tuesday morning article to read while I'm taking a shit. Um, it's perfectly timed. It's, it's, it's the right length for me to like be engaged, click on a couple of links, read the article, get through it. Before I know it, I'm wiping up and getting ready for the shower. Uh, we also had just a just a, I think since the episode, uh, Mark Dumont, he came on our show a few months uh, last year, I think. Uh, Habs, he has a Habs podcast. He works directly with the Habs. Um, he used to work for the Athletic. He was let go when they did their budget cuts, and they let go a bunch of authors. One of the one, one, some writers. He's one of the best writers, especially when it comes to hockey. And he was on the Healthy Scratch podcast episode two, which will probably be coming out this week. Uh, and they spoke for an hour. He's like, I'll give you guys a like. I told him 15, 20 minutes. I was like, yeah, cool. He ended up giving the guys an hour, which is cool, which is good on his part. Mark Dumont is a, he's a, he's a great guy, and he's a friend. He's a friend of the show, friend of the network, I will say. And, Absolutely, uh, and and uh, we wasted his time by uh, going through Game of Thrones fan theories with him. Uh, <laughs> the guys, I know he actually going... appreciated that. He messaged me after. He's like, I love it. Oh uh, no, but it's, it's like, listen, what we do is is sort of the the circus of sports, right? We sort of have a good time. We spin plates. Um, and so, like, when we have a guest like Mark, it's fun, but we only get a short amount of time, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So it's cool that the guys from Healthy Scratch were able to give him uh, the time. He, at the time, someone as respected as him deserves. So it's, I'm looking forward to when it comes out. Uh, John and I actually have an article, a joint article, about uh, our interview with Sean Campbell and a call to arms uh, for, our, uh, for our fans and for our, our community. From March 23rd, we're going to do it. It's going to be... Um, it's, it, it's a day that, that Sean and his friends have, um, have always celebrated. It's the day of the wandering caribou. It has a very sacred meaning. It's a day where you drink beers and I figure we like beers. So we will celebrate this day. Uh, we'll co-opt it in honor of our friendship, uh, with, uh, with Sean Campbell and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of his colleagues as well. We started, we even started this network with, uh, Mo Khan of PSN 690. So, exactly. um, Definitely, definitely thankful for all the guests that they've given us and uh, for our continued relationship uh, with a lot of the guys on there. Um, adds, adds to it. I think we, we've had Joey Alfieri on, on Weekly Sauce. He's, he was supposed to come on this week as well. Uh, we got Sean Campbell. Uh, Mo Khan has come on. Uh, who else have you got from TSN? I feel like we have... Well, Andy McNamara at the time. Oh, Andy McNamara, yeah, Sportsnet, I guess. So, yeah, so oh, we've Carlin Gray. Uh, yeah. We've got Andrew Shiniti. Uh, I mean, TSN's been very friendly to us for no reason. Just they're just good guys, man. Like, <laughs> I, what I like about uh, our relationship with them, we don't have an official relationship. We're not like exclusive to TSN. We're not an affiliate in any way. Um, I just like the dudes because overall, everyone we met there is just not this stuck-up like sports journalist that that the musty old journalists of our youth. They're, they're guys who just have a good time. They have fun. Yeah. They like to come on our show and have a good time and. 
and sort of joke around with us, and and we so we totally totally appreciate that. Whether they're from TSN or otherwise, we just have ha have had the luck of having having a lot of guys from TSN on our show. Um, Terry, yesterday of course was the inauguration. That was the big news. Um, and before that, of course, was the list of uh, pardons uh, that that President Donald Trump put forward. Um, it was former President Donald Trump. Well, no, but that's a title you, you still call him president, though. So, Former actually, for president. now, for now, until sort of the proceedings of the Twenty Fifth Amendment go through, we have we still refer to him as President Donald Trump because that's a in the United States it's a title you keep uh, forever. But like he we still may say actually, President Bush. We still say President Obama. Yeah, he might be stripped of that title though uh, once you know if they decide to pursue criminal charges and all that. But that's that's a that, we'll do that show when we get there because I'm sure we will. Um, the but. When I saw the list, you know, it, there's there's obviously the name, some of the names you expected. You expected the Bannons. Um, they, you know, a couple of unfortunate names when you when you um, when you see you know child murderers and such. Uh, we also saw some nonviolent uh, you know drug offenses get commuted, which was which was you know um, something that I didn't expect and something that uh, is commendable. And and Lil, Lil Wayne got his sentence commuted. Um, but one name that was missing, Terry, the big name, was Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic remains in prison. Uh, he tried did you see the tweet? Sorry? Did you see the tweet today? I did not see the tweet. What, what, what did he say? I'll get it. I'll finish what you were saying. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, filibuster for you. So okay, he, says, um, he says uh, what, what he did was he actually appealed to President Trump's um, sensibilities. And by that, I mean his giant ego. I got uh, it. Joe Exotic's a con man, right? Like he knows he knows how to get people on his side. And what he did was he looked at uh, at the president and says, "Hey, what does this guy like?" And he said, "You know what? I have this unfair trial, just like you had that unfair impeachment impeachment trial. The media and Netflix did me wrong, just like the media did you wrong." He tried to build a kinship uh, with President uh, Trump, but unfortunately, I guess he just wasn't popular enough. He, he's no little way. I got it. I was too innocent and too gay to deserve a pardon from Trump. I only mattered to Don Jr. when he needed to make a comment about me to boost his social media post. Boy, we're all too boy, we were all stupid to believe he actually stood for equal justice. His corrupt friends all come first. And then he followed that with for the record, all I ever asked for was the truth and evidence to be told in my defense. All the big stuff, limos, jets, and buses was not my idea, nor did I rent them. Now can we please concentrate on exposing the corruption of what they really did to me was wrong. The inmates here at FMC, I don't know where he is, are also very disappointed I didn't get the pardon because they all say I don't belong here. So other people that scream innocent, I'm not guilty, said yeah. you're not innocent, you're innocent and you're not guilty. That's true. That, that's the facts. He's in Those Fort the Worth, by the way, the Federal uh, Medical Center, FMC. Okay. Okay. Um, I I look. We all enjoyed Tiger King. We had a great laugh. Um, and then I heard someone who works in the industry, uh, Ron McGill of Zoo Miami, and, and Zoo Miami is a, a famed, um, famed conservatory for animals. They help preserve uh, endangered species and so on and so forth. Um, he basically said these people are all criminals. We shouldn't be celebrating them. And then I felt really bad. So I. <laughs> While the story is funny and it, the the image of a limo coming and, and coming to pick up Joe Exotic uh, is funny, and the idea also Terry, you you, you said it in in reading the tweet where you know he's he's trying to expose the corruption, the corruption that wouldn't have existed if he got pardoned. By the way, exactly, love that, absolutely, love I love it. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the the dude got what he deserved, man, and he, he <laughs> for a reason. Uh, but that's old news. We got 
news to look ahead ahead to because it's time for the news. Ah, Terry is the news. Ah, oh, fuck. I've I've officially said the word news four times in the last two sentences. So there's that. Um, Deshaun Watson. Uh, we we talked about it last week. We talked about the rumors of the Dolphins, but now uh, a story's come out. I, I believe it was reported uh, initially on Bleacher Report. It was uh, talking about the value for Deshaun Watson. The value appears to be at minimum. Three first round picks. I don't think anybody's going to give up three first round picks for him. You don't? Like if you're well, if you're a team looking for a quarterback, are you really other than Trevor Lawrence? How about this? Are you what taking team is looking any for? other quarterback this round? How like, about te- what teams are looking for a quarterback? Well, let's start there. Jacksonville. Um, yeah, obviously. Arguably Jets. Jets. Arguably to a, to a certain extent, Jets. Arguably no, Detroit arguably. if they want to move the away Jets from are Stafford. Redskins? Uh, yes. Redskins have their guy. Washington uh, football team. Who's Redskins quarterback? Alex Smith? Washington football team. Oh, sorry. Washington football team. Who? Who is it? Alex Smith? No, it's uh, that other guy that filled in. No, come on. It's not the best. He's the backup. He, he's good, man. He can no, start. Heineke? What is his name? Yeah. Heineke. He, can, he can totally start. Yeah, he'll be like Fitzpatrick. A lesser version of Fitzpatrick, I think. You think? I think he can actually be okay. Anyway, I mean, yeah. the, we don't know. We don't know. He had a great game. In the, we had a great game against the Bucks. We'll, we'll see. But Denver? I don't think he's going to go into camp as the official starter, which is what I'm saying. I think the I think the football team Washington is going to be is going to be looking at uh, quarterback. So, and I don't think the Jets are looking for a quarterback. I really don't. I think that they're going to try and build around what they have already because Darnold is already uh, a huge asset for them, regardless of how he's played. I think that he deserves. A fair chance with a co- with a coach that's going to be able to coach him up. Falcons pro- potentially, Panthers thing. potentially, Bears. P- uh, Panthers no, uh, Bears Panthers, no. Absolutely. Uh, yes, what? Panthers have at this point a journeyman quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. But they his, like his, his, his career basically derailed by injury. It's not his fault, but that's what yeah. happened. Colts um, have to replace Rivers. We'll talk about that later. Arguably, Vikings need someone. Arguably, Saints need someone now. Forget about the Vikings. Forget about the Saints. They have Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Eagles got to do something. Um, Eagles. No, Eagles have Jalen Hurts. And so, like, Terry, but you're also – you're looking – I feel like you're looking at it from the view of the old salary rules. These quarterbacks that you're drafting cost nothing. So if you're in a position like the Saints where you don't – if you're not 100% sure on Taysom Hill and Jameis, who, and you're not paying either one as a starting quarterback, and you won't pay the third quarterback as a starting quarterback – why wouldn't you do it? So the Saints, where are they drafting? They're not drafting high enough to go for a quarterback. No, right? probably not. But unless they unless they trade, unless they trade up. the The thing is, if you're the Jets, though, um, this is your last chance to get value for Darnold because if this year doesn't work out, he's worth nothing. Well, that's what I was saying. I was like, the, the value for the Texans is that if they want Darnold, if they like Darnold, then they would go after him and trade uh, well, because uh, Deshaun if Watson you go, and Darnold, Darnold and a first round pick. If you go Darnold in the second pick in the draft. You can go Darnold and let's say Justin Fields, for example, and then you get to pick and choose. Hey, is Darnold the guy? Do I do we trade Fields for value? Do we trade Darnold for value? 
you know, like I think if they have, give uh, up if they give up something for Darnold, then they're not going to be drafting Fields at second. They'll probably go somewhere else, like Devontae Smith or something. I don't know if that. I, I think I think you have a you have a view of Sam Darnold that nobody except his mom has. No, no, I'm not. I'm not alone on this. I think that Sam Darnold has. I, I really don't think he's had a fair chance. Who has been who? Who has been his receivers? His O line is. He has one offensive lineman that's pro. That's a that's a potential Pro Bowler. He has. Uh, the defense is beyond garbage. They have no running game. Like Darnold, as good as he's as good as he came out to be, his rookie year was actually decent for a rookie. And then Gase become became Gase and kind of took his talent away from him. He took his thunder. Okay, he took his lightning away from him. I'm Gase, in on Darnold. I'm in on Darnold for another two years. If I don't see anything from Darnold for another two years, then yeah, the, he's gone. But I think but two in, in two years he won't be more talented. So you like the guys in that building need to make the decision now. There's no doubt that he has talent, but we're saying is uh, everybody has talent. Anybody yeah, who's don't get to the NFL without talent. Exactly. Everybody has talent. He has the talent to be a starter in the NFL. We've seen it. We've seen it in his, his first game. Remember his first game? He threw a pick the first play, and then he ended up winning the game. He threw four touchdowns, whatever it was. Darnold is a good player. He just needs he needs extra guidance as opposed to other guys who might not need that extra guidance. Um. So here's the thing. I, 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 I have a couple of observations to make. One is that uh, Adam Gase is basically an NFL horror movie in that <laughs> he looks you in the eye and sucks out all your talent. He's, he's a dementor. One-to-one comparison, but just, he leaves you as like an empty husk of a human. He's a dementor. He, you ever see on Harry Potter? Dementor, Pop? that's good. That's he's, a great one. He's a dementor. He looks at you and he just starts sucking the soul right out of you. And, and much, like, much like how you, you can't have sex while watching Harry Potter, <laughs> after watching the Jets play, you have no libido. No libido. No libido at all. Um, also, what's going on in Houston? I feel like everyone's leaving town. Like James Harden wants out, Deshaun Watson wants out. Like they win one championship in baseball and everything. George Springer, which we're going to talk about later, they they, they seemingly can't keep talent in that city. It, it's impossible. It, I think it's the food, maybe. Like you know, you've heard of like you know Texas barbecue or Louisiana barbecue. Have you heard of Houston barbecue? That's not a thing. Or if it is, it can't be good because nobody knows of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a St. Louis barbecue kind of guy. I'm not going to lie. I'd argue, like, te- argue that Texas is not really barbecue because it's just beef. You need some no, pork shoulder. You got to no, go. You got pork shoulder in Texas. Pork. You get some pulled pork. What's right? You're getting like steaks on a barbecue, and that's pretty much it. And some brisket. Yeah, and, and, and a brisket. I guess. Yeah, it's a steak. It's more like a steak area. Lots of steak. Lots of, yeah, I get that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a, plus, yeah, I'm a St. Uh, Louis ribs guy. I'm like a. Uh, uh, how do you say, like a Kansas barbecue pulled pork kind of thing? I like that stuff. Yeah, um, I'm more of a Western barbecue guy. I get a lot of flack from the people I know in Texas uh, because I spend so much time in, you know, like the Georgia, South Carolina area, and uh, you know, I'm always gonna cape up for that that part of you know that part of the country when it comes to barbecue. Uh, but Texas is very protective. Texans are very proud. You know what I mean. Uh, yeah. But maybe be less proud and hold on to your athletes is all we're saying. Um, <laughs> Phil Rivers is retiring. And this is a guy who just – he did two things. He procreated and he played football. He most recently was still living in San Diego and commuting to, L- to L.A. Uh, every day before he got to Indianapolis. And he would study. He would use the car ride because he wouldn't drive himself. He would study uh, the whole way there. This guy just breathed and lived football and procreating. Um, obviously the joke is, uh, with all this extra time, all he's going to do is make more children. But I feel like that whole part of his life is retired. What does Phil Rivers do now? 
Phil Rivers now uh, has to become a coach, but uh, like of only like Christian high schools. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like where they only where there's no girls. Okay. Uh, no girls. Obviously. No masturbation allowed. Mm-hmm. And uh, strict in high school, and he becomes the gym teacher plus the coach. Also, he moonlights as the um, as the, uh, the the vice principal. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a twist on his life teacher, here, right? Coach. He's gone this ma- this much time being like the perfect role model, right? Perfect father, perfect quarterback, inspirational leader, everything oh, you can think of. And I think he reaches that moment in his life when he goes, "Oh my God, I put so many years into this. I need to do something else." Have this midlife crisis, and we see him somewhere in like Miami Beach with you know cocaine on his nose and everything, hookers in hand, with like a drug bust happening behind the scenes, right? Like you see him in some weird mugshot that'll show up on the internet if you days afterwards and it's just a disheveled version of philip rivers yeah he I just has like him. one crazy night just to say that fuck it i'm gonna let, let go and he murders somebody like the well, he swears for the first time that would be something oh, right that'd be amazing imagine he drops an f-bomb but he says like fudge <laughs> just, just imagine like he, he does what live. other quarterbacks do and he goes into like broadcasting or something and like no. on his first ever show he just drops an f-bomb right in the middle of it first time in his entire life on live television just go ahead and does it i don't see him doing broadcasting i think he might be like one of those guys that might come on tv once in a while for an anal- for to be an analyst but i don't see him doing like tony romo does i don't see that at all I- i've always found him to have like a fat boy face so i feel like He's actually going to be Will Ferrell from old school, just start hanging around <laughs> at a fraternity and then just sort of become like the godfather of that fraternity who now no longer swears. And it's like an, a fraternity that, that's like gotten behind the idea of abstinence. And then before you know it, he's the only member of that fraternity. So I agree uh, to a certain extent. I only agree if he's a fraternity of like where like, oh, my dad went to this univer- this fraternity. So like you have mm. to be proper, not like an old school type Will Ferrell type, more like a uh, – uh, the 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 villains on accepted like those guys you know the rich he guy. never gets he never gets to go back to being Frank the Tank is what you're saying yeah well he no he, his fraternity is only underground parties where they like dress in khakis and Ralph Lauren polos and and things like that Ooh, you know? the sweater the sweater tied over sweater the pole. vest yeah over that's that. that that's that's the Philip Rivers I see but he's like the renegade of those guys he's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the Will Ferrell he's, he's of the those guys. Yeah. He's the badass of those yeah. guys, absolutely. You can't see him oh, on TV, true. though, being an analyst. He's a smart guy. Like, did you hear, the, did you hear the story about J.J. Watt and the defensive yeah, line call actually, and everything? Go ahead, tell it, uh, Eagle. So, so J.J. Watt put out a tweet basically saying, you know, he's playing with the, the Texans against, at that point, the Chargers. And uh, Rivers looks over to the defensive line and tells one of the linemen, hey, you're in the wrong spot for that blitz package you're about to run. Right? You're not lined up properly. And... They run the play, and of course, the Chargers execute successfully on that offensive drive. And J.J. Watt goes, he was 100% correct. He knew exactly what defense we were running and that this guy was not lining up properly. Like, you you have to know the game to be able to do that. So I can see him being, like, a counterpart to Romo. Like, imagine them in, like, the booth yelling at each other in terms of, like, no, this is going to happen. No, that's going to happen. So he probably did that against the Texans with Bill O'Brien was coaching, right? So, I mean, that's just oh, that's not true. Very really, predictable. It's yeah. really not that impressive. Secondly, I, I feel like he, he is too much, like, he's too nervous to be in the booth. I feel like he's going to try and like beat the shit out of Al Michaels or something. I, I, I don't know. I can't picture him doing it. Either way, guys, I don't know, I don't know what the NFL is going to be like because what are we going to do uh, when we don't have Phil Rivers down five points, 60 yards to go, 90 seconds, and no timeouts? That, he's lived <laughs> his whole life that way. 
He lived absolutely his whole life that way. And I remember his speech when he left the Chargers last year, and it was very he, – he was right, man. He's like, he's like, I don't care. I'll throw in two interceptions. I don't give a shit. As long as like we all put it out there and we try to win every single play. And he's like, he's like I'm just going to go out and win. Like, I just want to win. I don't care what the cost is. I'm going to go out and win. And that's and that's why I always liked Phil Rivers, you know, like yelling on the sideline. Like, I like that type of thing. And because he, he was all genuine about it. He wasn't fake. He wasn't bullshit. He was, he was a Bible-humping, no-jerking-off, too many kids, driving his limo from San Diego to LA, like that's just what he was. He was, he was a good version of Tim just Tebow, a, a good guy that put, yeah, he put everything on the line. He put everything on the line. Yeah, he uh, loved the way he played the game. Drew Brees also retires um, officially, or I, it's it's been I confirmed. Know. I don't, I don't think, think it's there's official. been a, the big statement that's gone out, but I mean it's been confirmed by every analyst yeah. and insider. Also, like the 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 same salary cap kind of confirms it because they're like. 42 million over the cap if he comes back. And like they're the amount over the cap that basically is his salary. Like they they had they absolutely planned it before the season. There's nothing that tells you that Breeze might be saying this and then like two months from now after the draft when there's a team that doesn't have a quarterback or something happens or like Chicago might call and be like, listen, we want a quarterback. We want you. Oh, he's gonna pull Brett Favre. Yeah, exactly. And play for Chicago. Like I is that out of the realm of possibility? Um no, I mean, I think I think it's his last game with the Saints. I think that that uh, yeah, that I think we can agree on that. Yeah, but I mean, and, you, and so you like, really think someone's gonna take him with his broken arm? Like he can't throw past fifteen yards anymore, and that's the that was his game, right? Hitting the middle of the field on thirty-yard bombs. That if he can't do that, what can he do? And what kind of disrespect to my boy Mitch would they do if they signed Drew Brees? And well, big dick be replacing a guy who's not very good for a guy. Yeah, but if you're going to replace tongue. a guy who can do checkdowns, just a guy who can only do checkdowns. I mean, I would give myself the possibility of throwing a deep ball. You bite your tongue. Don't talk about Mitch, my my boy Mitch, like that. The only okay, MV, the only MVP of all time. It's true. The only MVP in a losing effort. The, the, the only Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon valuable, valuable player. player. Um, no, so like when when the thing with Drew Brees that amazes me um, is that. I think we all saw before Sean Payton, who is by far smarter than anyone in this conversation when it comes to the sport of football. Um, but we all saw that Drew Brees was done before he did, it seems. Like, it, it, it seems like the team was built for what Drew Brees was, and he's very obviously not that player anymore. Well, we had this conversation with Alex the intern in our group chat where he was talking about uh, how uh, Michael Thomas um, runs those slants really well, and that's what he makes his money. And where Drew Brees made his money a long time ago by throwing deep, you take that away from him. Okay, we have this guy that can you can throw those under routes to. Perfect. That worked for a little bit. Then people started figuring out that he's not going to be able to throw deep. Let's put everybody in the box. Let's put everybody in that 15 to 20-yard range. And they just took it away from him. And I think it's a little sad. It's a little sad that we had to get to this point where uh, we're not looking at Drew Brees as the Hall of Famer that he is. Because realistically, statistically, he's probably one of the Absolutely. best quarterbacks of all time. We can't deny Absolutely. that. The guy was six feet tall, and he was throwing it over his offensive line and throwing it down the middle to name it. Name every single freaking receiver that he's made monies for. Remember Devery Henderson? Made a huge payday. Who else did he yep. have? Marcus uh, Colston. Marcus Colston, these guys are making money, and they're they weren't they wouldn't be a number one receiver on anybody else's team. Marcus Colston was the seventh round pick. Jimmy Graham, how much money did he make for Jimmy Graham? Yeah, who's who's a solid player? Yeah, he's a good player, but he wasn't like he's he's been disappointing with the Packers last year and the Bears this year, right? Or and so yeah, 
the the other thing the other thing is too like Terry you talked about or or Eagle you just mentioned how um you know Drew Brees makes made his career throwing the ball over the middle of the field and that interception to Alvin Kamara where it gets undercut on a on a steam route to Kamara that was that used to be money that was a touchdown every time I've ever watched the Saints and instead it gets undercut by either a safety or a linebacker because it's just the ball doesn't get there the way it gets there in Brees's mind um and so it was kind of sad it was kind of sad to see um, at the end of the game, though, the game, I think I'm going to start calling it Tom versus time. Like the documentary was Tom versus time, but it was Tom versus what we now see as time, which is the aging, decrepit body of one Drew Brees, uh, who absolutely Hall of Famer, but eh, that nuts. he wasn't the Hall of Famer this past week uh, or most, most of the season. Um, but at the end of the game, it was a nice moment. The two quarterbacks sort of hanging out, but I'm on to you. I'm on to you, Tom Brady. He's going to throw a pass here to Drew Brees' kid, and we're going to see that on the screen. I don't think this is a nice moment. I think is this staged? Is this staged in any way? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think yeah. I think this is this is Tom Brady trying to show up Drew Brees in another way. But I'll let you guys discuss why you think it's a nice moment or why it's staged. Terry, you go for it first. I think it, I don't think it's staged, but a lot of people do think it's staged. They 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 say that they these two guys specifically always know when the camera is going, when the camera's on. And there's a bunch of different angles that we've seen of this. Like there's a camera back there where that guy is on the green, and like well, I, I was gonna I was scrolling my mouse over it, but you guys can't see uh, back there. There's a bunch and there's a bunch of cameras around, so I guess Tom Brady is aware. But everything. Thing I've heard of Tom Brady said he's, he's a perfectly nice guy, and I think so too. When I look at him, I'm like, this guy's genuinely a nice guy. Is he cheesy? Oh, he's beyond cheesy, but he's a fucking good. He's a good guy. You can tell. I um, I'm gonna disagree. I think I have always thought he was a good guy, but I think, I think we have proof that he might be a jerk. Two things. Two things. One is, he's like he sees he sees uh you know the off season controversies with Drew Brees, and then he says, you know what? You made such a big deal about kneeling. How about the last play you've seen in your career is me kneeling on the field? There Pick you go. Up. There you go. So that's one. Two is, Eagle, that last throw that Drew Brees made when he threw the triple coverage and got intercepted, what route was it? What route was the receiver running? That was a wheel route, also known as an out and up. And what is what is Drew Brees' kid running in this video? He's running an out and up. Out and up. And Tom Brady puts it over the child, into the child's hands. Perfect throw. The throw that Drew Brees couldn't make. There we go. Tom Brady sticking it to the old man. I have proof. Looks like Tom Brady is a jerk after all. Absolutely. He's a piece of shit. Take back <laughs> everything have, I said proof. about it. Speaking of which, Colin Cowherd, um, he talked about, he talked about um, you know, the Patrick Mahomes injury. We saw him get injured, uh, Terry. Um, it was rough to see Pat Mahomes get injured in such a big moment. And Chad Henney came in. And, and we'll talk about Chad, the Chad Henney side of this in a second. You know, going through the concussion protocol, and it looks as though Pat Mahomes will play this weekend. But Colin Coward had the following to say about what the NFL should do with the game if Pat Mahomes can't play. Oh, I can't that, hear it. Either. That's reasonable. Oh, there you go. And I'm sitting here this morning thinking, if I'm the NFL, Patrick Mahomes is going through protocol. I find the day Patrick Mahomes can play, that's when we play. Why not? The end didn't write that thing. Uh, why not? Because that's not how schedules work. 
The thing about Colin Cowherd is that now he's trying to become a soundbite. I don't know what he's trying to do. He's trying to get fired from Fox or like he got fired from ESPN. I don't know what he's trying to do. But ever since he left ESPN, he's gone off his fucking marbles. The guy is losing it on a daily basis and we're watching it. You remember how Larry King used to fart? Yeah. On air. And people be like, did you just fart? He's like, yeah, I farted. Like he's old. He's This guy's farting out of his mouth all the time. And he's just... Uh, He's just every fucking episode. He's just trying to make a soundbite, and it works because every time in my time, I don't even like any of them anymore. But they always show up. I always see a Colin Cowherd post about him talking about one ar- uh, one subject, and then counter and then counter arguing the subject the next day. He's he's a, he's just clickbait. That's all he is at this point. So the, the the video wasn't particularly clear enough to tell. Is he rocking a goatee? Well, that's a good point, actually. You go put it back. If he's rocking a goatee, it's gonna, I'm gonna Hold hate on, it as I much as re-go as much now. Hold on. as much as I hated him smoking those cigars. Eagle, just just confirm it. Look at it on your screen. You tell us if he's wearing a goatee. He's officially uh, offended. It's a little bit grainy, so it but it does look like he does have a like a a very patchy white goatee, but okay. almost like it was shaved down the middle, so it's only on the sides of his chin. Really, it's very strange. He, He's officially hey. he's officially offended multiple groups. Chiefs fans, number one, cigar mm-hmm. smokers because he ruined that cigar the other day. Absolutely well, annihilated. Now goatee guys because this goatee looks awful. Two people who swallow their saliva because apparently this guy has no idea how to swallow his fucking saliva. It just lives there. And he also insulted people with Botox because he's awfully. It's clear. It's awfully clear how much Botox this guy does. Well, the Botox and the saliva is grouped together because I think. Um, his face is just a mask of Colin at this point. Like when he's long since dead and buried, like him and Jerry Jones are gonna leave behind just like a grave of bones and a perfectly maintained face. Like they they are wearing their own death masks as it is. Um, but the other part of this, I gotta I gotta say, Colin, um, the '90s villains called. They want their goatee back because who <laughs> has a goatee in 2021? Um, listen, you can't just move a game. There's advertising dollars at stake. By moving a game, it would cost the network doing it so much money. And in the end, that's what this is. This is a game for money. It's not like like if a you know if it was a big boxer, I can even see that argument more because it's pay-per-view. These contracts are already paid out in advance. So you're not paying for the football game. You've paid for a package, the ads are already paid, all of the payments are done in advance. So they need to deliver the product when they said so. But I guess I guess Collins never worked for a network. That has uh, carried sports games before because clearly he doesn't know how it works. Um, also, just to it. add on, it already is the last game on the Sunday. What day are you going to move it to? Like the Monday, the Tuesday? You're going to magically invent COVID in some of the Bills players and delay it just because you want to? I mean, actually, they could probably do that. COVID was, move was to Monday. such a disaster for that reason. And if you like, if you read any of the, the, the sort of um, sports business stuff that was coming out at the time, it was a tough time to be running a network, man, because they kept lo- taking L's when it came to rescheduling. And that's why the leagues didn't like doing it. That's why the NBA went with a strict bubble, because they knew, hey, if we cancel games, it's going to cost us money, and we've already lost a ton of money. Um, but look, we, we get to see one side of this, and that's Colin Coward. The other side of, of broadcasting is a guy who I consider to be an absolute gem. Terry, I'm with you. I actually like Tony, Tony Romo as a player. I actually think he didn't get enough credit because he played at a time, especially when people considered wins and playoff wins to be specifically the responsibility of the quarterback. Um, but as a commentator, I don't think, like, if you don't like Tony Romo, I'm sorry, you're just an asshole. Like, the guy is just having fun. 
he sounds different. And this is one example. This is him reacting to Chad Henney at the end of the Chiefs game. They put Henney in the gun. Walk up, pretend like you're going to go ahead and quarterback sneak it, motion him back, try and draw him off sides, and then take a timeout. You walk up there and say, no play, everybody. Don't jump. There's no play. Just look at the body language. Oh, there is a play. Henny rolling out, throws it. Hill! And the Chiefs are heading to the AFC Championship game. Only Andy Reid gets it shotgun on fourth and hits. And throws the ball with his big man I love how I love how Tony Romo is like he's he's like he's like oh they're not gonna go play it's clear they're not gonna do a play they're gonna try and bait them offside and then they run the play he's like and only Andy Reid does it on fourth and one it's true only Andy Reid has big enough balls to do this shit and and to- people hate it on Tony Romo for always trying to predict the play but he's the only one that does anything different than all these other color guys like you you don't like Troy Troy, Troy Aikman I like Troy Aikman but yeah he's boring he could be boring sometimes. You know what I mean? I like Joe Buck, but yeah, he could be boring sometimes. And when you talk about all these color guys, Booker McFarland was like the opposite end of the spectrum where he was too much. But now we have a guy that's Tony Romo that's – he has a good relationship with Jim Nance. Like they have a great relationship. They're very good back and forth. The first year was a little rough for Tony Romo. He was cutting Jim Nance off. Like he wasn't, he wasn't allowing it. But now he's, he's worked it. He's made his money. He's really good, man. I like Tony Romo. Almost as much as I liked him as a cowboy. But also, I mean, in Romo's defense for the the content or the prediction, if you're the Browns' defense on that play, how many of those eleven guys are also expecting no play and telling themselves, yeah. "Just don't jump offside. Just don't jump." All the DBs, jump. all the DBs weren't expecting it, and they would, they took the play off. I think the defensive linemen they caught off the ball pretty quick from what you saw, and the linebackers were just a little bit too slow. And I think that, but also Tyreek Hill, I don't care how many people you have him covered on that route, nobody's beating him. Nobody. Why is it he he makes one cut and the the balls get into him? It's the easiest throw to make in the NFL. Uh, Chad Henney's been and you know uh, he's an experienced quarterback. He's been in the NFL a long time. I wonder why he couldn't do any of that when he was with the Dolphins. Definitely not a thirteen yard run. Um, <laughs> the the other thing is though, um, all playoffs long, you talked about. It. You said Andy Reid's the only one with the balls to do it, but all these guys and we saw this in three. Separate occasions, the most recent one being the Cleveland Browns, down in the fourth quarter with time against you, punting the ball and then never getting it back. Why are you punting the ball in a playoff game when you're down in the fourth quarter? I don't understand. Like We, we need to start considering when you're down in the fourth quarter, it becomes a four-down a four game. The NFL is a four-down game. I don't understand uh, what it is these coaches are doing. Because we're seeing the most, one of the most respected guys in the game do it. And he, he gets praised for doing it. So I'd, I'd rather see a coach go down in flames and trying something than going down cowardly, like, like a lot of them have. Uh, I, I Listen, I, I agree with your sentiment. I do, but public opinion does Fuck not. Public opinion. You're, you're not coaching the public. You're coaching a football team. No, but the public does not agree with you is what I'm saying. The public opinion says that. Uh, will always rip on the guy who tries too hard. Over, you ever heard the term overcoaching? Like when oh Pete, when Pete Carroll is- went through the ball instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch, and they got picked off at the goal line in the Super Bowl. Malcolm Butler against the Patriots. You know what I mean? Like there's all these other examples of overcoaching where people just go and try. I mean, yeah, maybe it is overcoaching. Maybe you did see something that maybe you convince yourself. Like when I make a when I make like a five dollar bet, I'm like, yeah, I could think them. I think the Montreal Canadiens can beat the Boston Bruins by six goals tonight. There's a seventeen to one odd. Let me put five bucks on that. I convince myself that it's going to work. But, but- 
why would you take the risk that you wouldn't get the ball back? What's the benefit? I agree. I agree 100%. I agree with you 100%. I think it was the absolutely right call. The Browns should have been much more prepared for that call. The fact that the from the defensive lineman, uh, from the rush end to the sideline, there was nobody other than the corner. There was nobody there, and Tyreek Hill was lining there. You should have had three guys standing in front of Tyreek Hill right away. But they were yeah, all just, just cover, out the Just cover Kelsey and Hill. That's why you, you know, know what, do, especially on fourth down. Kelsey only makes you get beat by McCole Hardman, whatever. But don't don't get beat by the best players. Um, Terry, the the Blue Jays are adding a lot of talent to their team. They sign George Springer to 150 million dollars because Houston's having an exodus. It's like a it's like, it's like when you go to to a store and they're selling like it's like the the wedding weekend where they sell all the wedding stuff and like it's 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 just mobbed by a whole bunch of white women. Same thing here. <laughs> That's what's happening in Houston. It's getting mobbed. They're losing all their talent. And uh, the Blue Jays, the beneficiary, they get George Springer. It looks like they're trying to add uh, Michael Brantley as well. He has not yet been signed, although he was rumored to be signed more yesterday morning. And by yesterday afternoon, uh, it wasn't a deal yet. So this is what I, this is what I like about, um, uh, about baseball is that guys will spend money and not be successful, not win. So baseball baseball teams normally when they – I mean other than the Dodgers we saw this year, but that was only because Mookie Betts signed with the Dodgers because the Red Sox didn't want to pay him. You know what I mean? So the Dodgers ended up paying him. They ended up having this crazy salary. It, just, it was crazy. What the Dodgers were paying last year was nuts. But at the end of the day, it worked out. For the Blue Jays, on the other hand, where they have to play against the Red Sox, they have to play against the Yankees. The Yankees are a very good team right now. They have to play against both these teams. Them going out to get George Springer is a ballsy move. It's a great move for them because George Springer is one of the best players in the MLB. I think everybody across the board is going to say that. But you have to spend money to make money. Nobody is going to give a shit about the Blue Jays if they don't win. That's that's how Toronto sports are. They're just the only people that they that matter are the Leafs. And right now, that's all it is. They they're not going to get any. George Springer isn't going to be putting people in the seats unless the W show up. And I think that that's what they're hoping for. But I just don't see it happening for the Blue Jays. I just don't think that they have the roster to make the playoffs again this year. I I would disagree. I think I just I've been stuck in too much Toronto traffic after baseball games to say that they need to win. Because at the time that I was there, they were not a good team, and I couldn't I couldn't move. It was uh, it was pretty awful. So. The impression I got was, you know what, no matter what, it's kind of like the Leafs. Like, no matter what, people show up for some reason. That's just what they do in Toronto. It's like, I have all this money because I live in Toronto. What am I going to do? Let me spend it on season tickets. Why don't you um, suck my ass? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's and who the hell wants to go to that place to watch baseball? It's awful. It's awful. It's not a baseball stadium. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I'll, it, go to, I'll, I'll go to New York and watch the, and watch the Mets play. It's a great place to watch. Like uh, you go to Boston and watch a, a, a Red Sox game. It's fun to watch. Toronto's stadium is awful. It's awful. It, it what sucks is it, it's right next to the ACC, which is a beautiful facility. Yeah, it, beautiful. Because I mean, it's it's a part of the age, right? Like the ACC is just newer, so that's that's why that's the case. Uh, but they've been they've been discussing making a new stadium. So hopefully, the fans that they bring in uh, with George Springer's contract will will help get them the funds to 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 build the stadium. They'll still get public uh, but that's funding. That's not the big story. It should be outdoors. Sorry. It should be outdoor. I think they should build an outdoor stadium, like a like a not like a non dome stadium. I think that. So, it's tough. Okay, I was gonna I was gonna transition. Quick thing, um, one of the one of the many lies David Sampson told about his time in Montreal was that an outdoor stadium would be a non-starter because of the weather. 
hey asshole, maybe if you would have lived here as when you were when you were working for the for the uh, for the expos, you would have known that our weather from April to basically October is absolutely beautiful. It's also just like New York City, Chicago, yeah. Boston. It's all the same shit. And I would I would even venture to say that like it's warmer at certain parts. Like like July yeah. is yeah. like like desert heat in in. <laughs> Maybe not so much in Toronto, but in Montreal, it's like desert heat for some reason. Toronto's Toronto's a really warm city. It's, it's even and in the colder parts of the year, it's more temperate than than Montreal. You can absolutely have an outdoor stadium in Canada for baseball. We're not they're not playing in the middle of winter. Relax. They play in November. They end in October, early October. So really. yeah, um, the, uh, the, the, the that's not the big story though when it comes to baseball, Terry. Um, our Mets, our Mets went out and met it again. They hired a rising star, the rising star at GM position. This was Cohen's big splash hire. Jared Porter uh, gets hired and then is almost immediately fired after a story comes out where he sent uh, a flurry of texts to a reporter he was corresponding with. It was a foreign language uh, reporter and correspondent. He sent 62 unanswered text messages that ended with a dick pic. <laughs> Terry, just take it where you want to take it. That, that, so yeah, that, so I don't 60, even know what, what question to ask you. Just go. Sixty-two unanswered text messages ending with the dick pic. It's not even like you said the dick pic and then you sent sixty-two apologies. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so it's like it ends with the dick pic. So unanswered. So what? Where did you? Within those sixty-two unanswered text messages, did this fucking moron? Good GM, by the way. Fucking moron, decide to say, "Hey, maybe maybe a dick is gonna make her want to respond back to me." I was gonna How, say, like, the... when I've been ghosted by girls, the normally like the first message, okay, maybe she's busy. You text her twelve hours later, type of thing. Hey, how's it going? You don't get an answer. By the third one, if you if you send something and they don't answer, the fourth one's like a, okay, well maybe this isn't working, or maybe you're busy. Text me when you're free. Get back to me. Blah blah blah. At nowhere in that point do you think you know what can really salvage this conversation? My penis. My cock. Yeah. <laughs> so if if I sent three unanswered texts to a girl. First of all, I was clearly drunk and not in my own mind. Secondly, when I would see that in the morning, I would want to vomit, and that's without seeing my own penis. So, I mean, like, um, I don't, like, listen, it's this isn't complicated. You got to do what you got to do. That's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. never acceptable, especially in a work context, by the way. Okay, sending a dick pic is never acceptable in a work context, first. Never. Secondly, um, Sending a dick pic that is not consented upon, it's listen, it's not something that's particularly criminal. It's also largely inappropriate. A girl doesn't react to your penis and is like, wow, that's a handsome penis. They see it basically like a fungal toenail. So <laughs> yeah, keep like, that in mind. Do, girl, do girls look at dicks and be like, oh, or talk to guys and be like, fuck, I really wish you sent me a dick pic right now? Because usually it takes like a few messages to be like, hey, what are you wearing? Are you down? I wish I can see you tonight. I'm really in the mood. Like any of those things. And then it's kind of like the door is open or the door is unlocked, not necessarily open. And then you kind of filter. Maybe you send like a bulge pic. You know what I mean? And then you then you ease into the dick pic. You don't just fucking go right, right away send the dick pic. I have, I have a theory, though, of what's happened here. Uh, this happened back in 2016, apparently, right, with the pictures and everything. So yeah. he wasn't GM at the time. Maybe someone 
isn't a Mets fan and knew of this and has held on to the knowledge until the Mets finally put together a competitive team, right? Because he's brought in Lindor and a bunch of other big stars to the team. Maybe now is the time they're looking to sabotage it and basically say, oh, they're getting too good. We got to drop the bomb. Maybe it was Alex Rodriguez that found out and he wants to drive the price down of the Mets so he can buy it off Cohen. After not being able to win the bid because he didn't have enough money. Exactly. Maybe. maybe. I mean, Cohen's made a lot of money, so I don't I don't think that's the case. Cohen, by the way, he's he's trying to be the, the cool GM that talks directly to the fans. Um, he fired he he made the firing first thing in the morning. But I will say it must suck to be the guy who's like, Yeah, tell us what kind of pretzels we should have in concessions. And then Pop pretzel. when this story breaks, is like, yo, Cohen, where are you at? What's going on with this dick pic? And like his, <laughs> his timeline must have been flooded. He must have been so furious at this at the, the one big hire he made immediately. My goodness. But hey, hey, maybe maybe the reason he hired Porter was because he said, why should I hire you in a text message? And Porter replied back with his cock. And he was like, well, that's a man right there. Very ballsy. Yeah, maybe, maybe he got mad that he didn't, send, maybe he didn't send him the dick pic immediately. That's why he got fired. I don't. I don't think there's any value in having a thirsty GM. There's no way players are coming to play for a thirsty GM. But like, you know no, what? Francisco maybe they are. Maybe that's been his big negotiating chip all along, right? He's managed to sign all these big time players because part of the negotiation tactic is, you know, you send them an offer, they don't reply. You send them One another the update on the offer, like, hey, any news? They don't reply, and then you just drop your dick in their their tweets, and they go, okay, man, fine, I'll you know sign. What? Like, geez, big big dick energy you know what i mean alex intern likes to say it a lot big dick energy and you know what maybe i mean i would like to see this picture if this picture somehow is released i would like to see it as a uh, as a lover of phallic objects i uh, appreciation of a good piece i would like to see jared porter's penis eagle when you dig it up on reddit just uh just share it in the google drive please yeah um guys that was a lot of fun but we're gonna get to our conversation with ryan phillips uh, the dude, again, we talked about it. He's got a, a podcast coming out called All Over the Map. Um, there's a couple of documentaries made about him and his story, The Ride to Wellness, King of Weed, and Return to Happiness. He's also got two TED Talks. The guy is really interesting. He absolutely robbed me of my productivity yesterday as I went down the rabbit hole. He's a very interesting dude, and we have a great conversation with him coming up next. Welcome back, and as promised, we are joined by Ryan Phillips, uh, former professional hockey player, um, and more recently, mental health advocate, as well as host of his own podcast, um, his podcast that he hosts with Elvis Stoiko and Jimmy Thompson. Uh, that is the All Over the Map podcast. First of all, Ryan, how's it going, and what can you tell us about your show? Uh, it's going wonderful. Uh, super grateful to be on uh, Hot Sauce Sports. Yeah, total <laughs> honor, guys. And uh, we'll be uh, loving to have you guys on uh, all over the map with uh, Elvis Stoiko and Jimmy Thompson. Once we get rocking and rolling on that, uh, what's going on in my life? Um, I'm a little nauseous, not because I'm nervous of being on your show, but because I'm attacking uh, some pretty severe head trauma that I endured uh, back in my uh, major junior hockey days and when I played professional as well. So, um, so obviously, if you had Robbie Shrimp on uh, on here, who's a good buddy of mine, uh, you probably know all too well. I, I don't know if he got into his concussion uh, yep. uh, you know, stuff. We, we both, you know, endured... Uh, you know, as most hockey players do, uh, you know, it's a high impact game. And uh, we, you know, I played 10 years uh, 
uh, you know, earlier than Robbie. So I, it was, a, I think, maybe a, a little harder hitting, but not as fast as skating. I think the elbows might have been up in the air a little bit too much. Who knows? Back, well, back, back in your day, you guys were skating like this, and there was nobody there was nobody to defend you if you weren't the guy defending you. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like I might as well not, not even been wearing a helmet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the helmet, all it does is just stop scrapes. And it, none of you guys used to buckle it back then either, so it would just really fly right off, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get into it. So tell us about your hockey career. Uh, where did it start? Where are you from? Like, uh, tell us about your 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 lineage. Well, uh, born and raised in North Vancouver, uh, BC, and uh, just like millions of other uh, you know young guys, young kids growing up, um, you know, dominating dream to make the National Hockey League. Uh, my idol was Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux growing up. Uh, you know, the big vision board uh, was my uh, was my room it was just you know uh, Gretzky wallpaper and you know all the Iserman all, all the old boys whatever you know I just I just fantasize of, of being out there with my idols you know and it's like um yeah it was everything was really awesome uh left left home at 16 I was touted you know, uh, one of the top players uh, in Canada uh at my age and uh just, you know, the unfortunates of uh, injuries and some, you know, a lot of adversity off the ice. And uh, I, we, I don't want to get too deep into the hockey culture and make it all about, uh, you know, woe is me, uh, you know, the, you know, the whole uh, rituals and hazing days and whatnot. But I was in those days and, you know, I'm, I'm very, very familiar with, you know, the Graham James of the world. Uh, you know, I knew about all that kind of stuff that was going on with the sexual abuse with Fleury and Kennedy and those guys, you know, uh, 10, 10 years before that even was, you know, uh, mainstream uh, news. You know, uh, I heard about, about that at the back of the bus. Um, you know, hockey, uh, you know, I, I turned pro at 20, uh, went to Kansas and, uh, but right, right at that, I was about two years prior to that, uh, when I was playing in, in Tacoma, I uh, realized that uh, uh, BC Bud was very desired down in the United <laughs> States of America. And, um, you know, got into, onto the pioneering uh, leading edge of uh, fueling that illegal industry, which is now legal. In and, Washington, uh, too. You know, there's uh, there's a documentary that you guys got that you can uh, feel free free to share with uh, all your viewers. Um, you know, definitely took that business to the highest of levels, uh, paid the ultimate price, did over 500 days in a maximum federal penitentiary. They told me that I could never was never allowed back. I'm talking real fast because it's a it's a it's a, it's a probably a ten part story, not a one part story. And uh, you know, when you do these podcasts, you try to give everybody as much information as possible. Of course, but, of course. Uh, I'm hanging on a little bit because they can watch the National Geographic episode or uh, even my own uh, documentary, what I, what, which I shot as well, which is all about giving back and, you know, um, learning a lot of the lessons I learned, you know, through hockey and uh, even in that industry that, you know, I actually, I, I made a change for, I would say, the better, got out of that dangerous game after losing many, many friends, uh, due to, you know, murder, addiction, you name it, uh, did the prison thing. Wasn't too good in isolation. I'm a free spirit traveler. I've been over to 70 countries in my life. Wow. Um, hence all over the map with Elvis and Jimmy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, 
Um, and that's just my brain period. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, the whole marijuana thing was, uh, it was intense. And, uh, I don't know, I was, I was told when I was in it, they were going to make a movie about it one day. I just, uh, <laughs> and then it came true. And uh, now there's discussion um, with, uh, you know, actually having it as a series, doing like a series like Breaking Bad or. Oh, wow. That's uh, pretty sick. Yeah. Sons of Anarchy kind of style, whatever. But it's just it's totally different. It's, you know, it's the, B- the beginning of the BC bud boom. Right. So <laughs> I was caught yeah. in those uh, between two worlds. You know, it was hockey and, and, and weed. And now <laughs> it's uh, uh, world service. And uh, I live by that and just try to put my, you know, my best foot forward on a daily basis. You know, uh, I was, uh, I, I, I say it over and over and over again on many, many podcasts. Um, I can't stand the word humanitarian, but uh, in 2012, uh, after crossing Cambodia, I was granted a humanitarian pardon back down to the U.S. of A, where I was supposed to never be allowed back again. And that was all uh, because I uh, was, I humbly say, um, I was giving back to, uh, I I rode my bike across Cambodia to uh, raise awareness uh, to the eradication of human trafficking and child sex slavery. So if you want, uh, that TED Talks is on YouTube as well. Um, I got a couple TED Talks there on YouTube, uh, one on mental health. Just type it in, Ryan Phillips, TEDx, and you'll get both of them. So Ryan, I have to say, um, I, I, you know, being completely forthcoming, I didn't know a lot about you and your journey uh, before, to, you know, before uh, Terry and I started preparing for the interview, uh, and I did a bit of research leading up. And then today, you know, today is the day I put the script together and, and get you know all the research together. And I went down the rabbit hole on you. It's, it's a, absolutely a fascinating story. Uh, the, the documentaries that you're referencing, of course, are uh, mental illness, the right to wellness, um, return to happiness, and King of Weed. Uh, we saw the shift. Uh, in Canada, with marijuana going from uh, illegal to tolerated to to legalized, uh, but I was curious watching this, and especially the time period that this occurred in. Um, I always wonder in situations like this, like what takes someone who, you know, has sort of a career path set out, even if it's not exactly as they sort of saw it happening, they're on the way, they're they're, they're involved in their career, and then you go from that to selling marijuana. How does how does even how did that even happen? How did you get into that in the first place? Well, I was I I was really good at games. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the game of life. It's uh, you know I I, I was always kind of uh, just like the game of hockey. You always got to be you know thinking where your next guy's going you know, uh, where your next move's going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I saw a vision. Um, it was you know it was an opportunity that kind of fell on my lap. I had markets down in, in down south. That could, uh, you know, because of the, uh, the exchange rate and uh, and the cost, you know, I could send 100 pounds of marijuana down to, say, one of my markets in Seattle back in 95, 96, and, you know, profit $140,000 off 100 pounds, you know, and do that three times a week. And, you know, and I built a team just like a hockey team, really. Um but it was just marijuana. I just it literally, I just constructed it. It was just a, a business model. No, no more, no less. Um, yeah, it's just really interesting, I guess. <laughs> are you are you um, are you pro marijuana now? Are you are you a weed advocate now? I'm. A, I'm. A, I wouldn't say I'm a weed advocate. 
Uh, I would say that if marijuana works for you on a medicinal uh, for medicinal purposes, um, then I have then it, it's it, it comes from the earth. So um, I would say that uh, being uh, having my go in the hockey culture, obviously with alcohol and other substance abuse uh, kind of stuff that uh, you know. I, I haven't heard anybody drop dead from marijuana. Let's just say that. I don't and, think it's ever happened. Uh, you know, it's uh, it works for some people and, and it doesn't work for others, just like alcohol. But um, I never yeah. ever tell anybody how to live their life. Um, while I was in that business, uh, I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a smoker. I, I, I didn't drink very often either. I was uh, more focused on uh, getting ahead in life and, and I took it very serious. And, uh, but the more serious it got, the more money that was made, obviously more people, um, you know, dangerous people got involved and it, there were, it was time for me to, to realize that I'd taken enough from the world. Um, marijuana gave me a platform at that time to travel the world and do whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. Um, but now I can give back in other ways and, uh, you know, be an inspiration to the best of my abilities to show that it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, what you and who you are now uh, and what you do doesn't define you. You define you. Yeah. And I, I saw in, uh, in um, some of the information, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were separated uh, from your daughter for an extensive period of time. And to see now that not only, you know, you obviously can see your daughter, but uh, that you're helping children around the world uh, with, you know, with regards to human sex trafficking and uh, the sex trafficking of minors. Uh, tell us about how you got involved with that cause and how people listening to this podcast or watching this podcast can help you. <laughs> okay, not help you, but help us in general. It's a, it's, it's a really good question, actually, because um, a lot has changed since that movie Return to Happiness that you'll be able to share with uh, uh, your, all, all your listeners. Um, my daughter has gone through her own uh, adversities uh, as of late. Um, she suffers from um, schizophrenia. That was the onset from three concussions that she sustained at quite a young age and was told that she could never play um, soccer again. And, um, she went down that she's, you know, she's gone down and she's in that rabbit hole of addiction herself right now, uh, which has been very hard on the family. Um, but at, at the same time, uh, you know, we all make choices. Um, the only thing I can do as a father is be the best version of myself that I can be lead by example. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, things won't be too late. Uh, she's young. Um, and you know, I always believe that there's a, where there's a will, there's a way you don't have to know how you just have to know that you will. And she's, uh, she's got my blood in me, which is never give up. And, um, you know, so it's, you know, we're all in our, our own journeys here. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the special thing about life is that, um, you know, every day is a chance uh, to either, uh, you know, you decide, you, you know, you, you're playing the game. You, 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 when you leave the door there, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, you either make an intention to go do good in the world or, uh, you do nothing or, or you do something that's going to, you know, uh, damage other people's well being or whatever. And I'm, I'm, I'm just not into that anymore. And yeah, I just, I guess I just woke up that, uh, you know, I saw what money could do for good and I saw what money could do for bad. And, um, 
you know, so much of it was coming in at once uh, that a lot of it was obviously, as we all know here, it's no, it's, it's, you know, when, when a lot of money is involved in any business, uh, EGO uh, and greed can uh, steep in real quick and all that instant gratification uh, stuff that uh, people deal with. And, uh, you know, if I can be that convoit to set an example that, yeah, of course we need abundance, but abundance for all and health for all and community for all and unity for all, you know, not just, uh, you know, there's, there's no such reality. I say is something for nothing. It's, it's give and take. It's just like, I'm coming on your podcast right now and giving mm-hmm. you a bit, bit of me and you don't have to come on mine, but oh, we'd love you to. do we'd love to. that reciprocation. Right. So and then you Absolutely. get to say hi to uh, Elvis Stoico who did backflips in the uh, Nagano Olympics. <laughs> exactly. So, so you're, you're a salt, you're a salt of the earth kind of guy. And we need more people like you. I mean, you're such a positive person watching all the clips that you sent me. Uh, honestly, it, it opened my eyes and we had last a uh, couple weeks on, we had a couple weeks ago, we had, um, Shangri-La Rendon, she's uh, she's from California uh, by way of the Philippines, and she became she had gone through her own stuff too, and now she's become this crazy marathon runner, um, uh, Ironman. She has world records in the Ironman, and she and she does it through positive coaching and through positive stuff like that. So I mean, we yeah. need more people like you two in the world, absolutely. And you know, it's sad to see you're a hockey player. The concussions, it's happened in football too. I was a guy who grew up playing football. Uh, we had Robbie Shrimp on, like you said, you mentioned, and you know, he talked about all the concussions and what it did to him and you know it gave depression and anxiety and and all that stuff and the the one thing that comes out of all of it out of all everybody that we've spoken to about this stuff is that there's always somebody that's going to listen so yeah. if you have if you have those issues there's always somebody that's going to listen and i think that's that's the the biggest message and that was the one that shangri-la told us and in one of your youtube videos too that you said it too there's you never know that help is there until you go look for it, right? And I think that that's, that's it's key. And we don't want another situation like Wade Belak or or anything or Probert or Probert or anything like that, you know, to come out and 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 we want we want to make sure that everybody, yeah, you're playing a game and you know there might be some consequences to that game, but there's help whenever you need it. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Wade was a really good friend of mine back in the day. We uh, back in the when he played in Saskatoon, and I was uh, in I was playing in Regina at the time. And what a character he was! What a chin that guy had. But that was such a shock. <laughs> uh, I, I actually remember doing a YouTube video back in uh, 2011 when I was living in Montreal. Uh, and that summer, uh, we lost. There was three of us that went down. It was uh, Rep, uh, Belak, and uh, Derek, obviously. And, um, yeah, I remember uh, just doing a video from the heart, just like, you know, addressing head trauma, uh, uh, headshots in hockey, mental health in hockey. You know, it's uh, like, why is this all coming to the surface like so impactfully right now? Hockey players, trauma. Hockey players, ayahuasca. Hockey players, mushrooms. Hockey players, cannabis. Hockey players, like. Like, is it like the hockey player spiritual revolution here? Like, what's going on? I think it's because hockey players, when they're outside the circle of hockey, is that they're very charismatic people. So you want to listen to them. Like Biz. Like Biz is a guy who's like such a talks about mushrooms nasty. all the time. Yeah, Biz nasty. And he's <laughs> and so that that's where it comes from, you know. And we appreciate people like you in the world that can shed a positive light to this. I think it's all yeah. the, well, the sure media training too, right? Where it's all yeah, like yeah. put the puck in the net, play as a team, 110%, next question type of stuff. But that's the thing. So like for so long, I grew up and hockey players specifically were known to be guys who were closed off, guys who, you know, just they gave the media the minimum. They didn't they didn't show any personality. And we're seeing 
guys in retirement. We're seeing guys even now as as they're playing, starting to open up more, be more honest, be more forthright. And it's as someone who's a fan, as someone who's who's on our side of of, of the world, uh, we find that more engaging. We find that more interesting, and we love that you guys are showing uh, that kind of character. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we actually have to cut this short because. Um, Eagle needs to be able to get home because we have a curfew uh, in, in in Quebec right now uh, due oh, to COVID. Right. So hopefully, hopefully we can get you back soon. Uh, definitely, anytime you want us on uh, your show, we'd be happy to do it. All over the map with Elvis Stoico and Jimmy Thompson. Do look for that. It looks like it's going to be awesome. Uh, the the, the documentary. This is the list. first time I've thrown it out on a podcast is with you guys. So you uh, we're yeah. breaking barriers here. Bacon berries, bacon berries, man. Um, so yeah, so definitely do check out the documentaries, Mental Illness, The Right to Wellness, King of Weed, and Return to Happiness. Uh, like I said, I spent my whole day not being productive, just researching Ryan Phillips because it's an absolutely interesting story. Uh, my dude, uh, the TED Talks too, those were great. Um, you know, if anyone's got an interest in how to make the world a better place, uh, the TED Talks on on uh, eliminating child sex trafficking. Absolutely eye-opening. Definitely worth the, the watch. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you kindly. I really appreciate it. I hope uh, everyone is uh, out there uh, is uh, doing the best they can with what they got. And, you know, I know these are really trying times, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, in this these times of great disconnect, it really is important to have these shows these podcasts like this where we can actually give hope and inspiration to to the people of the world that need it the most so I appreciate that ryan glad to have you on buddy part. peace have a great day have a great day and we're back <laughs> that was an awesome interview uh really fun to sit down with ryan phillips um like we like we said it was probably going to be a, a more serious uh interview but it's really engaging really interesting that dude's got so many stories to tell. We're definitely going to have him back because it was just a, such a small window to get so much information out. Really happy you joined us on the show today. Yeah, honestly, just just going through, I mean, we had, him and I had connected a few weeks ago and just going through uh, all his videos that he had sent us so we can, you know, so we can talk about and things like that. Honestly, I I opened my eyes completely to what kind of a person he is, you know, and it's like you hear his story and you, you hear like just a snippet of it when you look deeper my guys, like I told him, he's a salt of the earth human. He's like, well, he's, yeah. we need more people like that. Less people like us, more people like that. That's sure. <laughs> Less douchebags like us, more, <laughs> more sweethearts like him. All right. Rapid fire topic. Speaking of douchebags, tabled for later. Dick Sporting Goods is officially selling tables in the bills section of their stores. Thoughts, boys? Uh, that's honestly, that's marketing 101 right there. How, Genius. Tell me they're not going to be sold out of those fucking tables. Tell me. So I, I, I hate the Bills because I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm they they no. I had to watch John L. Uh, John uh, sorry, uh, Kel, I, I had to watch Kelly rip his way through the Dolphins uh, in Dan Marino's prime. Um, and I grew up just hating them, but I can't hate the fans. They're good people. I love watching them jump through tables. And do you see those pizzas shaped like Buffalo Bills? It was awesome. Uh, unbelievable. I loved it. I love it. And I think that we should have more tables uh around the state of west uh, around western new york not just in buffalo i, I think table we need to have a, an, a, an influx of broken tables in the state of new york albany tables. tables saratoga springs tables that's northern new york but whatever table whatever i'm just seeing cities <laughs> i know in new york state <laughs>
Rochester tables. Rochester tables. <laughs> Next. Flying off the handle, Philadelphia Flyer uh, Jake Voracek was annoyed by a reporter's line of questioning. Does this we have a clip, if at all, given the circumstances of the offseason and the condensed schedule and everything. Doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're going to write fucking shit every time. No, so it doesn't matter what you say. Uh, yeah, it feels different. Yeah. I mean, we got four points after the first two games. Uh, I, I wasn't even going to answer your question because you are such a weasel. It's not even funny. Next question. Charlie O'Connor, you're on. I just, James I just love the reaction of the guy sitting next to him. Just like, holy uh, shit! Travis Conne- it's, game one. <laughs> um, it's Travis Konechny. He's unbelievable. So that, that's honestly, I never want to be that reporter that gets ripped on by an athlete. It's like so it's I, a career I, suicide. You must have done something saying, bad to piss them off to that level. Though. Like, well, there's no yeah. way they just do it for fun, right? He, I know that reporter. He's one of those guys that just has never anything good to say. Yeah, never so, anything good to say. So Barry Bonds is famous for flying off at anybody, but whatever. That was a reputation. Like, and again, we talked about the interview. A lot of hockey guys don't openly share their personalities. So for him to break ranks like that um, was, you know, you know, there's got to be a history. We try to maintain a good relationship with everyone we interview for that reason, because we don't want to feel like garbage. That reporter, no way he felt great that day. I love that the way Voracek uh, did it was in the fuck you sandwich, where it was like, you're a piece of shit. Hockey cliche, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) I think that Matt Pacioretty would do that to me. I've hated on him so much on Twitter. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but he's a jerk. Whatever. I don't care about (laughs) him. Next, high and dry. Tom Brady looks to the referee and tries to give him a high five, but is left hanging after a touchdown. I didn't see this. This is unbelievable. It's It's such a classic. It's so good. It's, it reminds me of the time Tom Brady was walking around the Patriots bench after they scored a touchdown and nobody was giving him a high five. It's yeah, the same but this, thing. Is, this is funnier, though, because the referee can't do it, right? Clearly, yeah. he can't show partisanship. So he knows he's not going to get a high five, and he's in on the joke. Oh, it's so good. Good on the ref I, for being um, in a state of mind to not do it, too. But that's the thing. Like, I, I, love, I feel like I keep hearing how Tom Brady has this great sense of humor, but we never really see it. We always see him being kind of cheesy. I feel like that's the example. Like he knows, yeah. especially in a season during a pandemic, the referee's not going to give you a high five, and yet <laughs> Tom Brady goes for it anyway, knowing he's going to get stood up. I love it. Next, uh, supersize them. Uh, Dan Patrick reported on his podcast called The Dan Patrick Show uh, that head coach Jimmy Pruitt's tenure uh, recruits yeah. were handed. Jesus, that was a weird sentence. Uh, During head coach Jimmy Pruitt's tenure, there we go, recruits were handed McDonald's bags full of cash in order to sway those players to sign with the team. I don't know about Jimmy Pruitt, but I know Jeremy Pruitt did it. And it would be... And and to me, honestly, what I told you guys too, and it's like, I think that some of those kids probably didn't even notice the cash. They just went straight for the Happy Meal. Like they see the double cheese in there. They're like, I'm going straight for that shit. Well, you know, so the first thing you need to know about this is you can't read because the script says Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> uh, the, the, I saw I saw this story and it's like, look, I guess at least the college athletes are getting paid. Um, but the, the, where my mind went to was it's, it's going to be McDonald's. So, like, it's going to limit the amount of money you get, right? Where if it's like a KFC bucket of cash, maybe that's how Alabama gets Dante Smith. Ah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And maybe, maybe that's how. Uh, oh no, it's not. I was gonna segue to the next topic, but it's not the next topic. Next, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> slim, 
No. Slim and thick. Uh, James Harden is rumored to have ran his way from Houston to Brooklyn uh, based on these pictures since he has definitely slimmed down. Oh, no, it didn't load. Wait, wait. It's uh, wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's not, not, here we go. Here we go. So not, here's not James only, Harden before. And here's James Harden after. Uh, angles and black. When you wear black, it's thin. It's slimming. I don't think he lost as much weight as people think he is. Also, listen, we all... you. Pease, you and I, we know this. If you have like a couple burgers in a couple days in a row, it's going to show. If you give up those couple burgers for a week, you start slimming down a little bit. Dude, on Sunday, I had three slices of bread and like two beers, and I woke up eight pounds heavier. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, if you're someone, especially if you're someone who has trouble controlling his weight, and James Harden's, you know, one of these guys, I always say he's the only NBA player ever to not take his shirt off in the club. There's a reason for it. Um, James Harden, he's he just has that kind of metabolism. He's got the tearing peas in him. He is the hero of this show, as far as I'm concerned, because if you can struggle with weight and still win MVPs and scoring titles, you're okay in my book. Um, honestly, I think it's that. I think it's a combination of red is not flattering, black is flattering. He didn't didn't give a shit about his diet in Houston. Then got to Brooklyn and was like, all right, got to play my way into shape. Here we go. Maybe this goes back to what we were saying where all the barbecue or the food he's eating in Houston was trash, right? And just all these fatty mm. foods. And now New oh, York, yeah. he's eating like the prime sushi from the Atlantic Ocean and everything and the good he's pa- eating, pizzas he's, and he's pastas. In Brooklyn. He's at, he's at uh, Junior's Cheesecake. You know what I mean? Like he's he's in love. He's at, he's eating at Peter Ruger's having steakhouse, uh, having steaks. But it's much cleaner food for him is what it comes yeah. to. I mean, it depends. Oh. I've, eaten, I've eaten some awesome stuff. I, I One of my favorite things ever in Brooklyn was I had – a um, a tongue taco and a veal oh. cheek taco in the street. Oh, that sounds good. Sounds great. Sounds it was great. delicious. It was delicious. All right. One thing you should not be eating in the street is muscle soup. Uh, the Detroit Lions have found their head coach and former interim Dolphins uh, coach, Dan Campbell. He is joining the organization, taking over from Matt Rocketman Patricia. Uh, hopefully he can turn that franchise around. Potentially new quarterback in the mix, question mark? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, people were question Dan Campbell signing. I think Dan Campbell's been a coach in the NFL since he retired, since the, the year after he retired, he's a tight ends coach for the Cowboys. And I think he's, it's a good, it's a good signing for them. I think he brings like this vibrant, uh, like this uh, pumped up Mike Vrabel style of coaching. Um, the different thing is, um, Mike Vrabel is smart. I don't know if I could, I, I have seen enough Dan Campbell press conferences to be like, I don't know. His first practice in Miami, he had everyone wear black and blasted Metallica because he's a cheesy old white guy. Wow. Not realizing that most guys uh, were born 20 years after Metallica made their debut. Um, uh, what do you mean? Uh, what's the album I, there? The What's the Saint uh, Anger? That came later. Maybe they're yeah, exactly. That's yeah. my point. That's that's <laughs> that's the reference point these guys have with Metallica is like, oh, that trash album that came out when I was a kid. The one um, that sounds like you're hitting trash cans on. Exactly. Honestly, um, I don't know, man. I think they, they, they just tried to, you know, when you overcorrect after a relationship where like you date someone and they're one type and you're like, oh, no, no, I can't be with someone like that. I'm going to go the opposite direction. And then eventually you find someone in between. I feel they had a rocket scientist um, in, in Matt Patricia. And now they have the absolute meathead in Dan Man Campbell. Closing thoughts. Uh, Eagle, you can start the music. Um, Alex, the intern, said he's genuinely... He feels genuinely bad for Robert Sala for having signed as a head coaching job 
for the head coaching job for the New York Jets. He feels genuinely sad for somebody who got a job, the job that he's always wanted. And not only, not only, okay, not only did it, is it one of the best 32 jobs of, the, of that profession, right? Let's let's say like you know you're not looking at college jobs. You only want to be a head coach in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's a great job. You're also going to coach the Jets, where if things go wrong, it's okay because it's, it's the, the Jets. Jets. And you if things get go blamed, right, the Jets will get blamed. You're in New York City. If things go right, you're fucking, you're bigger than Broadway Joe over there. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I <laughs> it is what it is. Um, look, congrats Dan Campbell. Congrats, congrats uh, Rob Sala. Um, Terry, man, thank you for everything you've done this week. Yeah, it was a great interview. Super happy to have uh, uh, Brian Phillips on. Um, super thankful to Eagle for everything he's done. Those of you who have not yet subscribed, please do subscribe. It's what keeps us going. It's what keeps us providing content. And we do that for all of you. Thank you all for listening. And thank you all for letting me be myself. You've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. I don't think we need-